0: Welcome to the Water and Stone Podcast. You are listening to episode number 156. Our Sunday worship service for March 8th, 2020 is revolutionary. It is the second in the series, The Life. It's time to make waves. So our scripture today, this is black belt stuff right here. (laughs) Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Uh-oh all of a sudden this sounds like a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie and uh I don't know if you know this passage it's not one that you hear a lot because it doesn't match just right there we're going to get into it don't worry But just right there, that part doesn't match the kind of image that a lot of people have of Jesus. So I think sometimes it it misses the greatest hits collection. I think sometimes people go past it real quick and they kind of mumble that part of the sword kind of thing because it seems weird. Don't worry, we'll get there. But in this moment, think about how you feel when you hear that. Imagining that Jesus said it. Think about how you feel. And I want you to start with that. I know it sounds kind of touchy-feely, woo-woo to say, I want you to honor your feelings, but I do. It's important to start with that because if you ignore it, you're never going to get to the next part of whatever it is you're doing. If you act like you don't feel a certain way, good luck ever not feeling that way. Just life, right? And as you know, I've talked about the idea of kind of a Mr. Rogers approach to Bible interpretation. Start with the feelings. It's very easy to get in all kinds of arguments about what translation is best and what are the right words, and at the end of the day, that's a wonderful conversation, but we don't have a videotape. You've heard me talk about this, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but that's valid. But what I'm going to encourage you to do is take a minute and think about the feelings that are going on. How do you feel when you read a certain passage? You ought to feel one way or the other or read it again, right? And then take a moment with that, put that in your pocket and think about how do you think the people in that story, in that situation, in that moment felt when Jesus said what he said, he was talking to the disciples and he had just recruited all of them. It's that part of the movie where you get all the magnificent seven together, right? Okay, guys, here we go. Kind of a moment. Imagine that. And if you can start with, here's how I feel. Here's what I got going on. Bring what you're working on in your life because there's something in the Bible that speaks to that. And apply that to what's going on in the story. And you may not understand a direct connection with the literal moment of that, but you know how it feels. And I've talked about that. But it's the key to unlocking meaning that you're not going to get if you spend a lot of time arguing about Aramaic. You're just not. But more than that, this is an approach that will feed you and benefit you in all kinds of areas of life, not just interpreting scripture. This is an approach that will feed you and benefit you if you start thinking this way in terms of how you deal with other people. Because I don't know about you, but I have spent an awful lot of time going, why did that Yahoo do that thing? What is wrong with you? person in the news, or person under my roof, or both, right? Hopefully not both. Then there's a real problem. But you know what I mean, right? But you can't argue over facts. You can't. You just can't. Because you weren't there, stuff happened, who knows, right? But what you can do is go, here's how I feel about it. They did this thing because they were scared because they wanted attention, because they felt alone. Well, I have felt all those things. You have felt all those things. We have felt all those things. If I can go, you feel this way, I feel this way. Maybe the way you did it is incomprehensible to me, but I know the feeling, and from that common ground, we can move forward. Instead of arguing your case like some kind of weird Perry Mason in the living room, good luck, because at best, I won. Oh, good. Now, pack. Instead, you start from a different place. There's something beautiful about that threefold, that Trinitarian idea of getting along with people. It's not your thing versus my thing. It's what happens when there is a synthesis of those ideas, when there is a trinity to it. Think about how many things in life go in threes. Now, let me be clear. I'm a big fan of Schoolhouse Rock, but I don't believe that numbers are magic. It's not like that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that that number occurs a lot in the world because we, it's part of how our brains and our hearts are wired. The number's not magic, you're magic, okay? But think about how many times it comes up. In comedy, they have the rule of threes. It's always like the priest and the rabbi and an aardvark walk into a bar, right? It's always the third thing, right? Over and over again. Think about how many times things work in that way. There's a reason for that. And part of what I want you to take home with you is the idea of this. Look for the third thing. Look for the synthesis. Because it's where the funny part of the joke is. But it's also where the meaningful part of life is. You can spend a lot of time thinking, this is about how I am right, part one. This is about how you are wrong, part two. And if you stop there, you will never get any further in your life. You can feel awesome and justified in being right and in how wrong they are, but it doesn't matter. But if you get to that third part where you go a little bit Hegelian, Google's your friend, you look up that and you go thesis, antithesis, synthesis. What is it that we can do together? How do we get here? When you look at the life and the teachings of Jesus, and remember this Lenten series is about the life When you look at the life, there's this thing that comes up all the time where you have tradition. How many of you are going uh, fiddler on the roof? Um, You go tradition, and then you go, Jesus represents this revelation, this transcendent idea. And so many times in Bible world, great theme park, in Bible, I was going to say stuff and I say stuff too much, so I just gave up. Um. In, in the realm of interpretation, in the realm of Christianity, a lot of times people stop there and they go, here's how worldly things are bad and how Jesus is so great and never the twain shall meet. Here's the thing. Jesus showed up. He didn't shout everything from a balcony. He showed up. Got into it, right? So we're going to look for the third thing. It's not just the dynamic between people being bad and Jesus being good, it has to do with what happens when people incorporate these ideas, these teachings, these feelings in their hearts, in their lives. What's the third thing? It's that synthesis that is important. Let us be the kind of people who stop getting getting driven by what's right and what's wrong, but instead let us be driven by what can we do together so that everybody grows. That's where the magic happens. And all of a sudden winning is not important anymore because. There's only one team. So look for the the third thing, but specifically, and here's the deal, look for the thing that changes you. Mm. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the deal. And that's what Jesus is talking about there in that piece of Scripture, and it's what we talk about all the time. It's the thing that, remember at the end of the prayer we say every Sunday, we say, I'm ready for change. This is me talking to God, open heart. I'm ready for change. Because that's what the whole thing is about. If you can embrace that idea, if you can be willing to put your ego and your expectations aside and just say, okay, God, you show up. That's when there's room for miracles. Now, like I said, Jesus gives this speech when he's getting the disciples ready. Okay, guys, here's the deal, right? Kind of a moment. And you can imagine that it's that moment in the, in the movie where everybody's strapping on their canteens and their backpacks and their battle axes and whatever. It's the moment, right? The fellowship of the ring is assembled kind of a thing. We repeat this story so many different times in so many different ways. But here's the deal. Here's the real story, right? And as a sidebar, I want to bring out the idea that for so many people, Christianity has to do with if you just sit still long enough, Jesus did it all, you don't have to do anything. That's at the core of a good hunk of theology. Jesus did it all, and your job is to be inspired by it, usually to just feel real bad about it. And if you feel bad long enough, then, you know, like Spider Man or Tarzan, he'll swoop in, it's good. You don't have to do anything. Now, I sound a little bit flippant there because I mean to be. But anyway, Think about with me the fact that every single time Jesus was with anybody for more than about 30 seconds, he told them to go do stuff. (laughs) Just sit still is not in the vocabulary. I got this is barely even in the vocabulary. More and more and over and over again, if you're with Jesus for a car, Jesus, we're just going to Burger King. Yes, but here's what I want you to do when you go out into the world. Think about it. So many times the speech is, go and do these things. If it was about a vicarious thing, why is it so important that we do it? What if it's a synthesis? What if we're supposed to work on this along with him? Seems to match what he did. Seems to match what he talked about. But as I said, that's a sidebar. My point is just, let's keep moving. So anyway, here's the speech with the, he's telling the disciples all kinds of great things. And go read that. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's such a great speech. Because he talks about economics. This is the part where he says to the disciples, don't worry about how this is going to get paid for. This is about radical attachment to the outcome and economically radical unattachment to the income. <laughs> it doesn't matter where it comes from because it comes from God. Get out of the way is what Jesus is saying. Stop worrying about it. Your job is to show up. And that's our job too. But it's beautiful and it's inspirational. And Jesus says, don't even worry about what you're going to say. Just show up and open your mouth because it's not you that's talking. It's God that's talking to the degree that you can get your ego out of the way. That's awesome. You ever feel like you're worried about what to do? Go read this speech. It's beautiful. So much in there. So much for you and me, you know. It's awesome. All this stuff. And I can imagine myself sitting there listening to that. Imagine yourself sitting there, listening to that, just right along with all the other disciples because that's what you are. And imagine yourself going, oh, okay, Jesus, this sounds great. I'm so glad I signed up for this. I don't have to worry about how I'm going to pay for it. I don't have to worry about how this is going to go. I don't even have to write a talk. This is awesome. Okay. And then Jesus goes, by the way, not everybody's going to like what you have to say. Did you think everybody was going to be cool with this? Because I came not to bring peace, but a sword. This is going to divide people. Because not everybody wants to hear that they have power. Not everybody wants to hear that they have agency and freedom. Not everybody wants to hear that they're beautiful. How do you take a compliment? What if it's more than a compliment? What if it's everything, right? Here's Jesus going, guys, um, before you go, (laughs) one thing. (laughs) Not everybody's gonna be crazy about what you have to say. That's what's going on there. And I don't know about you, but it's possible to read that part and go, oh man! <laughs> Aw, son of man!" <laughs> you like that? Was... Some of you know that. I feel like that's a good. That's a, that's a slow burner, right? Um, some of you know that a few weeks ago. Uh, Jenny and Raina and Polly did a Mud Girl run. I talked about it very briefly. Um, and it involved running around and getting wet and it was very cold. I'm selling it, right? But that's about I'm right. That's what it was. And Miles and I got to just stand there because boys were not allowed. Um, and it was really inspirational to watch you guys do that and triumph over that. It was really cool. I was, I'm so proud. I'm always so proud. But it was a neat moment. But what I really loved that I want to bring out to you right now is at the starting line, they had some guy from whatever fitness center to warm everybody up. Okay, we're well, jumping jacks and do the stretches. You were there, remember? That part. Everybody warm up. And now, now that you're warm, we're going to jump right into a pond filled with ice water. <laughs> I wonder if that's how the disciples felt ready to go. Oh, (laughs) is that how you felt when you heard that part? Read it again. It might, you can get that, but I want you to know with me that that's not the only way to read that part because here's the deal. It's kind of weird to get mad at the pond for being cold. It's a cold day. What do you want? You can get mad at it, get in there and kick it. (laughs) You're just going to get wet, and people will start to become concerned. You know? But how much time in life do we spend kicking ponds because they're cold? You know? Easy to do, because I have a convenient bad guy. Doesn't help. It just makes me wetter and and colder and sillier. But here's the deal. The pond's going to be cold. Here's the deal. Life is like this. Jesus wasn't even exactly warning the disciples, I don't think, as much as he was saying, this is a natural implication because I come to you with a sermon and a message of change. And if you want change, here's the crazy part, some things have got to change. Sounds silly, right? But I can't tell you how many times I've had people come to me and pray with me. Can we talk about, can you tell me about, can we read the Bible about, can we pray about, I want some change. And then I say, your prayer time says, the Bible says, life says, then you must change. And people go, oh, I didn't want change, change. I want to change, change. Okay, well, I can't spare that kind of change. Oh, come on, come on. Welcome to the Jungle Cruise, right? But I mean, think about it. How many times? And in fact, how many times have you seen a commercial that says, if you buy this product, you don't have to do anything differently, but it's going to make your life better? Stay up late enough at night, you'll see enough of those. And you know as well as I do that Ron Popeil is lying to you. Right? You know it instinctively. You know, okay, it can't be that way. I can't have it get better without something changing. I can't have my cake and eat it too. Even if the cake is microwaved in a terrible pan. Right? But wait, there's more. And yet... So often people expect that out of their relationship with God. God, please remove all of my worry and all of my adversaries. God, please pay me money. God, please do whatever it is, this thing that I want you to do. God, please do it my way. But do not expect me to change a single thing about what I do and how I feel and what I think. And then get mad at the pond for being wet. You want change, something's got to change. But we know this, right? We get it. We get it. So here's the deal. I want to go one step further than that. The the basic idea, if you want to get what you want, you must be open to change. That's great. That's beautiful. And that's true. But I want to go a step further than that. Here's the thing. Think about what you want. What you want is actually kind of transitory. The thing you wanted when you were 12 is different than the thing you wanted when you were 15 than the thing you wanted when you were 20 and so on and so on and so on. The thing you wanted this morning is probably different than what you're going to want tomorrow. The things that we want are so not permanent. And in fact, the things we want aren't even the most interesting things about us. When you talk to people, when you're trying to get to know somebody, what if the conversation wasn't about the stuff you wanted? What if it was about who you are? Because those are very different things. Not everybody knows that. So, what I'm saying is if it's not even about the things you want, what if the thing that we're supposed to lean into is change itself? You want to get the things you want, learn how to change, and then you realize that it's not even about the things I want. My prayer instead of God, please do it my way, I'll do anything. What if the prayer is just God? I'll do anything. What if it's that? What if it's, Father, take away from me my fear and my ego and my silly small whatever it is because I'm tired of it. It's not interesting. It's, in fact, it's kind of boring. God, take away my pettiness. I'll do whatever. Father, let me change. Not that you're bad because God made you and God doesn't engage in shoddy worksmanship, but just that the things that can go away aren't the truth about you, so let them go, you know? What if it's about being okay with that? I think that's revolutionary. But we're talking about a revolutionary message. I mean, over and over again, Jesus says, guys, you can't only love people who are from your tribe. Right? Guys, you've got to... Open up this idea of love to something that's beyond physical boundaries, beyond any kind of physicality, beyond any kind of temporality. You've got to love everyone because our tribe is the one tribe. We're all in it. It's as deep as the ocean. That's beautiful. And it's revolutionary. It's a Jesus thing. One of the many reasons why he's my hero. This is a Jesus idea. It's just us. No tribal anything. No barriers anymore. It's great. But here's the other part of that that people don't think about. If it means that I have to love everybody, no matter what they look like or where they're from or how much money they have or don't have or how they voted or whatever they feel that they are on Facebook today. If my family is bigger than I thought, then it also means I'm not allowed to assume that the only people who are going to be a problem for me are the people who look different than me. Let me put that another way. Racism is such a cheap shot when there are so many good reasons to make fun of people who are the same color as you. (laughs) Let me put that different way a different way. You know as well as I do that the only time we fight is when we fight over common ground. Think about it. Big wars and little disagreements are about common ground, not about differences, really. They're about that we have this thing in common. What if you work from the commonality? You know as well as I do, maybe, that there is someone in your life who might say something like, blood is thicker than water, and sometimes the people who say that are the people who don't care if you're bleeding. Because they're the ones poking you. All of a sudden, we realize that The challenge is closer to home. We're not going to blame people somewhere else. We're going to look a little bit closer. Now, Jesus said that thing about a sword. And the next line is worse. (laughs) Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Here it is. For I came... To set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Well, that one's not a surprise. (laughs) And a man's enemies will be the members of his household. Now, that's reassuring in a way, because if you read that, it becomes very clear that Jesus wasn't talking about running around with swords. He was talking about how we get along with each other. But what most people don't know is that Jesus is quoting scripture right there. Did you know that? Jesus is quoting uh, the book of Micah in the Old Testament. Now, we might lose that because we don't grow up with that stuff. But surely everyone who was in the room with him knew the Micah story in the same way that we have opinions about, I don't know, happy days or cheers or something. It's like if I said, you know the thing with Luke and Darth Vader with the hand? and the Most people go, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. We just don't grow up with quite as good stories, I guess. But CGI has improved. But everybody who was listening knew the story of Micah, and what they knew was the reason that Micah had such a problem with the people is that everyone was blaming this terrible king, and he was a bad king. But because it was such a convenient outside adversary, that feeling they had of this external thing became part of their own families. When your problem is out there, you internalize it. Now, the great thing is that everybody who knew that story of Micah knows that Micah's point is, guys, it's going to be okay. Because we're going to have to tear some stuff down, but we're going to build it up even better something's going to have to give way but what replaces it is going to be so much better so it's not about the the reaction the response of people outside of you at all and i say that because it's really easy to live your life based on validation you know what i mean i hope you do i hope it's okay with you <laughs> thank you I don't know what I would have done if nobody had laughed. Rule of threes. Anyway, (laughs) how often do you spend your time going, boy, I don't know if I'm going to say this thing if everybody's not going to be okay with it. How how often do you go, I'm going to hold this truth about me that's got to come out. I'm going to hold it back because I don't know what people are going to say. Well, I guess that's the point you don't know. And if you live your life based on validation, sooner or later you're going to also live your life based on what happens when that validation is taken away because God is trying to tell you that's not the most important thing. Or as Jesus says here in Scripture, not everyone's going to be okay with your truth. But it's not your job to worry about how it's received. It's your job to tell it. And as best you can, as lovingly as you can, don't be a jerk about it, don't be a bully. But just tell your truth. That's what you're, you're here to do. I mean, you can spend a lot of time going, well, what if they do this? And what if they do that? And what if I, I give them my feelings and they don't receive them? What if I don't do the thing? What if they don't? Well, you know what? You're not a psychic. I'm sorry. You're not. You don't know. So quit trying. It doesn't matter about the what if somebody's going to do. Because how people feel about it and how right you are isn't the most important thing. Let me say that a different way. Have you ever defended something stupid? Oh, you haven't. I have in Our arguments, I'm sure it's only one-sided. Anyway, you ever been in an argument with someone and it's really important that you're right and you get about halfway in and you realize that you are wrong, but you keep going because you don't want to lose? No, Dieter, just you. Okay, Fine. I have done that more than once. I hope to never do it again, but I'll have that time when the little warning light comes on and the, you are incorrect, sir. Quit it. You ever defend something just because you want to be right, because you want the other person to be wrong? Well, I'm going to give you a piece of relationship advice. This is huge. Are you ready? Quit doing that. Quit doing it. Because it doesn't matter who's right or who's wrong. It's about healing. It's about moving forward. And I say that not just because this is something for for interrelational whatever it is. It's because this is a way to get over a bunch of stuff. Because there are a lot of people who are living that exact same situation out with their lives. I'm doing a thing or not doing a thing that I know is dumb, but I think I'm supposed to. Because what will people say? You are defending a dumb idea. You want to get happy? Quit it. And in fact, you're fighting with somebody, quit defending yourself. Quit. Because you're right or you're not. Come from a place of love and you don't have to defend. In fact, that's what love is. Love is saying, I stand before you defenseless. Can you do that? Learn. Your life will get better. Can you do that with the people you love? Can you do that with God? Can you do that with your situation? Boys and girls, there's a lot going on in our individual lives. There's a lot going on in the world. And I want you to know that the time for courage has come. Do not fear your truth, your light, your song, because it's a song the world needs to hear. Your light, the light that comes from God through you is something that can illuminate your world. And your truth is exactly what we need to be set free. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you.